This is Global Mining News, available worldwide on the internet. My name is Adrian Pocabelli. Welcome to the Northern Miner Podcast. And uranium stocks are having their own little Santa Claus rally. It is quite the scene over there. I was just looking at the stocks. It's pretty amazing. Cameco up 10%. Uranium Energy Core up 18%. Next Gen Energy up 15%. Denizen Mines up 19%. Fission Uranium up 17%. Fission 3.0 up 20%. Blue Sky Uranium up 26%. Mega Uranium up 10%. These Some of these stocks were left for dead. Mega Uranium. I remember that from the last bull market. Uh, UEX Corporation, another stock left for dead, 14%. Anfield Energy up 50% to $0.09, but that's what we're talking about. Azincourt Energy up 14% and on and on. It goes Energy Fuels up 10.5%, and that's a bigger one. Very interesting. So, yeah, let's see what's going on. The markets feel a little toppy right now. Feels like everything, crypto markets are the same. Everything's basically rallied like crazy on new all-time records everywhere. And I guess the big question is, is it going to be a pause or are we going to turn down a little bit? And it just feels like there's a bit of exhaustion. I think they'd call it buying exhaustion in the market. So let's see if we get the Santa Claus rally. Speaking of Santa Claus... Don't forget, we have a one-of-a-kind joke book. Just go to the sidebar of the Northern Miner webpage, and you scroll down, and you will find the latest cartoon from JK. And you'll also find a link there. If you click on the link underneath, the art and humor of John Kilburn, uh, you might still be able to get that for Christmas. Maybe you should have mentioned it last week, but here we are. It's it's December 8th, so if you are going to order it, I would get on that. You may want to call, and you know with COVID, everything, shipping is going to be slow, but if you haven't bought your presents yet, this might be something to phone in right now. The Art and Humor of John Kilburn. Uh, you can find that on the homepage of the Northern Miner. Just go to the left-hand sidebar, scroll down, and you'll see a cartoon, and underneath is a link, and that will take you to the shop where you can buy that special one-of-a-kind gift for the miner in your life. So that is happening on the show today. We have AMEs, which is the Association for Mineral Exploration. We have the president and CEO, Kendra Johnston. And we also have Andy Randell, principal geologist at Hive, who is also on the board of AME. And so they're going to talk about their conference that they have every year in January. And I think it's only second to PDAC in Canada. As far as conferences are concerned, we discussed that in our very interesting interview. And I've never actually been to AME, so I had a bunch of questions about it. I mean, a lot of our staff had gone over the years. So if, you've ne- if you're not quite sure what's going on over there, this is a great show to learn what's going on. And yeah, it talked about diversity and inclusion. I guess that, is the, that is the theme this year. And uh it's quite interesting, and we go a little bit into that and uh, kind of the reality of what that actually means, not just as generalization. So a very interesting conversation to look forward to, and you can also learn how to participate and huge opportunities for students there. I think my favorite part of the interview 
was where they were talking about they have a program that they do for students where they're allowed to present in five minutes basically what their thesis was about. And I can't think of a better way to connect students with potential employers or just with people with more experience in the scene than to get them to present. You get to know who the person is through the presentation skills, somewhat, who they are intellectually and what they have to offer and what their specialty is. Maybe you didn't realize that person over there is actually an AI specialist in exploration. So lots to look forward to. If you want to find us online, you can find us at northernminer.com. Find us on Twitter at Northern Miner. You can find us on Instagram at The Northern Miner. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, where we also host these podcasts and wherever podcasts are available, including Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, let's turn to the news. And turning to the website, there is political turmoil in Peru. This could be a threat to the mining sector. Uh, this is by Tom as a party. He often writes articles about Latin America, and he does an excellent job. He's also at Bloomberg. Great reporter. Uh, the sudden removal of popular president amidst the coronavirus pandemic plunged Peru into chaos last month. On November 9th, Peru's single chamber Congress voted to impeach President Martin Vizcara amid allegations that while a provincial governor, he had received a payment of 5 million Peruvian souls equivalent to $1.4 million from a company awarded the contract to build a public hospital in the southern city of Mokaga. The move was the latest dramatical political development in one of the world's leading mining jurisdictions. Peru's most popular president in a generation, Vizcara's sudden removal from office sparked major protests in Lima and other cities accusing the lawmakers who ejected him of launching a coup d'etat against the legitimate government. That sounds like a very intense situation. Over there, when two young protesters were shot dead during clashes with police in Lima, Vizcarra's successor, Manuel Marino, resigned as president after just five days in the post. A day later, Congress elected economist Francisco Sagasti as its new head and subsequent president of the republic. Since then, the situation has calmed significantly. Protests have subsided after the new head of state promised to hold the post until next July, when a newly elected president is due to take office. While the political turmoil had little impact on Peru's world-class mining industry, observers fear that the country's increasingly chaotic political scene is taking its toll on its ability to attract investment in the long term. So far, investors seem reassured. And on November 24th, so a couple of weeks ago, the government issued $4 billion worth of bonds, including its first 100-year bond, backed by confirmation of its BBB+. Sovereign debt rating from ratings agency S&P Global Ratings, the bonds attracted an interest rate of just 3.23%, or just 170 points above U.S. Treasuries. Nor has the gridlock in Lima gummed the wheels of bureaucracy. Permitting and community engagement procedures for new mining projects are continuing, although slowed by the difficulties imposed by COVID-19. And giants such as Glencore work in the region, including MMG and Chinelco, and the, chi the expansion of the mining industry has driven Peru's economic growth, with poverty levels falling over 50% at the start of the century to less than a quarter in recent years. And scrolling down, 
quote, we don't see demands for significant changes to the economic structures, notes Pablo de la Flor, executive director of the National Mining and Energy Association, SNMPE. So yeah, so the big concern here for the miners are political instability. And so that's a risk. So generally, again, yeah, Peru is sort of long time seen as a reliable Latin American country to do business, sort of like Chile. And uh, with all of the turmoil, that is starting to be called into question. So read the full story on northernminer.com, but it sounds like the Peruvian economy is definitely hitting some headwinds, like the rest of us, really. Moving on, China has created a new export law for rare earths, and this has led to rare earth prices surging. Uh, BMO commodity analyst Colin Hamilton said that as nations around the world consider self-sufficiency in rare earths and other critical minerals, while also enacting more trade restrictions and economic protectionism, the market, quote, is set for a long-lasting transformation over the coming years, one that we believe will likely lead to a gradual erosion of Chinese dominance and processing capacity. So BMO is saying the rest of the world is getting its act together on rare earths and that this will eventually alleviate the Chinese dominance. November saw the prices of all major Chinese source rare earths spike, but especially those used in magnets. In particular, the research note mentioned neodymium, which is the most common rare earth used in making magnets, which rose by 27% since early in November and is up over 50% year to date. Several other key rare earths also increased in value last month, including dysprosium, gadolinium, and terbium. And dysprosium was up 17%, gadolinium up 9%, and terbium up 27%. Another factor in the price surge is a new law that came into force in China on December 1st, Hamilton noted. Known as the Export Control Law, it creates new regulations that give the government more control over such exports as technology and rare earths. Quote, market participants are increasingly of the view that the introduction of the new law will lead to a restriction of rare earth-based exports from China to key partners, including the U.S., on the pretext that it is safeguarding its national security. So, yeah, China is getting ready to at least have the ability to make some moves in an easier fashion if they just want to turn off the tap. Uh, we don't have too many details on the law itself, but it sounds like they are kind of getting prepared in case something bad happens. So hopefully nothing bad happens. Moving on, we're staying on the China theme. IGO, which is an Australian nickel gold miner, is in talks to buy Tianqi's Greenbush's lithium mine. Now, their stock was halted as news came out that they were in advanced talks to acquire part of Ting Chi's 51% stake in Greenbushes, which is considered the world's biggest hard rock lithium mine. And this would provide Chinese owner Ting Chi lithium with much needed cash to make loan repayments that were due at the end of November. Prices for lithium carbonate have dropped by more than 70% since 2018, when Chen Chi acquired about a quarter of Chilean miner SQM for $4.1 billion. The move was part of an aggressive global expansion aimed at securing leadership in the lithium market. Scrolling down, S&P Global Intelligence, their commentator Alice Yu 
said, quote, Greenbushes is a large, low-cost asset and has contributed to China's lithium supply security. And so she thinks that China would be unlikely to allow a strategic asset like Greenbushes to fall into foreign hands. It's kind of funny. To fall into foreign hands, I think it's falling into a, the Australian mine is falling into Australian hands. But point taken, so that is happening. It'll be very interesting to see how, if LSU is correct on that. There has been a merger, Northern Verdicts and Eclipse Gold, to merge and create new U.S. producer. It's by Magda Gardner, Canadian Mining Journal. And... They have reached a definitive agreement for Atmarker merger to create a gold producer focused on the Western United States. So it's interesting because, yeah, you think of these, like, what do they have here? Sounds like they have some assets. Northern Verdict's Moss Mine generated 14,673 gold equivalent ounces at all in sustaining costs of $1,317 per ounce. Eclipse holds the 85-square-kilometer low-sulfidation epithermal gold-silver-Hercules property. So a couple of smaller companies, like what was the value of this deal? Overall, the combined company will have a pro forma cash balance estimated at $29 million. So a couple of juniors are merging to make a producer. Sounds like Northern Vertex was producing. Moving on. Tailings dam management, not just engineering challenge, according to ERM. And this is by Trish Saywell, northernminer.com, editor-in-chief. Sustainability consulting firm ERM says the mining industry needs to do more to prevent tailings dam disasters and notes that a further possible 19 incidents with tailings facilities could occur over the next decade. In a report released last month, ERM reviewed the dam failure incident reports of 11 major dam failures over the 12 years and concluded that, quote, basic organizational and human factors such as budgeting, operational leadership, safety and risk culture and competence played a significant role in each, end quote. ERM noted that historically there have been between two and five major failures and 35 minor failures annually. It's quite a few, 35 minor dam failures and two and five major failures. That's ridiculous. And we have, quote, minimizing the risk of tailings dams failure is one of the greatest challenges facing the sector. ERM stated, continuing, despite the billions of dollars being invested and the recent launch of a global industry standard on tailings management, there is a concern that the industry is destined to do too little too late to prevent further catastrophic incidents. ERM stated, quote, unfortunately, the organizational and human or adaptive causes have been so well researched and yet these have been just as significant in contributing to catastrophic failures. An over-reliance on engineering standards and considerations has led to focus on the low likelihood of tailings dams failures, yet they continue to occur. And here's the kind of the heart of the issue here. One problem is that decision makers, quote, often rely on layers of controls that are reviewed by peers, subject matter experts, and independent boards, but do not dig deeply enough into how the controls are being implemented and how well they are understood by the workers managing the dam, right? So it's sort of like everybody's responsible, so nobody's responsible. It's one of those. Interesting. You can read the whole story on northernminer.com. There is a lot more there. And finally, we have a commentary from Andrew Cheadle and Elizabeth Freela, and it's Mining Metals and Minerals in a Circular Economy. 
And so let's see what Andrew Cheadle has to say. He was at the Global Mining Symposium earlier last month. We are all familiar with the principles of and practice of recycling and reusing, and for many, it is a common practice of daily life. Our society has a long history of recycling glass, aluminum cans, plastic in all its forms, cars, scrap metals, jewelry, electronics, paper, and so on. We increasingly reuse clothing, vinyl is back, and vintage wear is now a high fashion statement. What if reduce, reuse, and recycle applied to everything? Then you have an idea what the circular economy is about. Massive change is occurring in the metals and minerals industry. The status quo is no longer societally acceptable. Investor expectations of excellence in ESG performance continue to rise. Our industry also has a unique potential to accelerate progress on the sustainable development goals during the decade of action called upon by the United Nations. Now we are also starting to become aware of the circular economy and our role in it. So it's actually quite detailed here. Let's just look quickly at what the circular economy is. The circular economy summarized as an economic system that encompasses and encourages resource recycling, reuse, repair, and remanufacturing, ultimately creating a circular closed-loop system which minimizes the use of new mine product. In other words, compared to the prevailing linear take-make-waste economy, it avoids the use of non-renewable resources and preserves or enhances renewable ones. In so doing, it aims to improve the productivity of resources, design out waste and pollution, and keep products and materials in use for longer while regenerating the natural systems upon which our existence is dependent. And there are charts in here and everything. Talks about Apple, Tesla. Jumping down, as we move towards a future powered by, quote, green metals, circular closed-loop industrial models will become the norm not the exception. This shift invites the reimagining of the linear mineral extraction business as we know it. While raw extraction isn't going away anytime soon, opportunities for new business models, including integrated materials companies, mineral solutions providers, and even closed-loop metals-as-a-service offerings will emerge. These are opportunities that mining companies are well-positioned to seize, lose or acquire market share, disrupt ourselves, or be disrupted. The choice is ours. So there you go. Very interesting article from, I believe Andrew Cheadle was the former PDAC president. So so someone who has been around the industry for a while. And with that, let's take a look at metal prices. Let me just scoot over the crypto. You know, there was a crypto base protocol 145x this weekend. In one weekend. Or maybe it, it got launched on like a Tuesday. And by Sunday or Saturday, it had gone 145x. No, I wasn't involved. You have no idea how close I was, though. Anyway, speaking speaking of X's, we'd like to thank our friend mining.com slash markets for providing us with metal prices each and every week. And on December 8th, gold 
is trading at $1,865.61. That is $53 higher than last week's quote. Silver is trading at $24.60. That is $0.97 higher than last week's quote. Platinum is trading at $1,026.02. That, platinum is really moving. That is... $37 higher than last week. So platinum cracks 1,000. The forgotten metal. Palladium is trading at $2,317.91. That is $93 lower than last week's quote. And for our industrial metals, copper is trading at $3.51. That is 13 cents higher than last week's meteoric quote. Aluminum is trading two cents higher at 92 cents per pound. Lead is a penny lower at 92 cents per pound. And nickel is also lower at $7.27 per pound. That is 16 cents lower than last week. And tin is trading at $8.65 per pound, two cents lower than last week. And cobalt is unchanged at $14.51 per pound. And zinc is also unchanged at $1.25 per pound. So platinum, the forgotten metal, cracks a thousand. Gold and silver recover somewhat. Uh, Palladium trades sideways along more trading in line with the industrial metals and copper continues to launch higher, $3.51 per pound. And those are your metal prices. And coming up, I'm very happy to present you with Kendra Johnston from uh, AME in British Columbia, the Association for Mineral Exploration. And she is president and CEO, and she's been there since June 2019. She is a professional geologist and mining executive with over 15 years of experience in the field. And we also have Andy Randell, who is principal geologist and CEO of Hive. He is the founder of that, SGDS Hive. And he's also on the board at AMEBC, and he will be on the panel for diversity and inclusion. I highly recommend everybody to listen to this because I think it brings the reality of why this whole diversity inclusion thing is important. I think it sort of comes out in this interview a little bit. So I hope you enjoy the interview. I sure enjoyed doing it, and I will see you on the other side. Joining me on the podcast, I'm really happy to have Kendra Johnson, who is the CEO of the Association of Mineral Exploration in British Columbia, and Andy Randell, who is CEO and principal geologist of Hive, and he is also on the board of AMEBC, which is the Association of Mineral Exploration in British Columbia. Uh, Welcome you both to the program. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great, and great to have you. I, I've been hearing about AMEBC for years now. I've never been there myself, uh, but many years. I've been at the Northern Miner for eight years, and most of those years we have sent people over to the conference to cover it. We used to have a Vancouver branch, and uh, they would always go. So anyways, it's great to have you guys here. Kendra, you have a conference coming up 
It's in January, I believe. It's every January. Could you just tell us about the conference and what's going on and what we have to look forward to? Sure, absolutely. And uh, once again, we are thrilled to be uh, partnering with the Northern Miners. So uh, thank you for, for that. And we certainly uh, look forward to having you at Roundup this year. So uh, Roundup is one of the world's largest mineral exploration technical conferences. Uh, we are hosted every year in January this year. For the first year ever, we're going virtual. So we've tagged it Remote Roundup. Uh, and it will be held this year from January 18th through to the 22nd. And it's followed this year by two weeks of short courses, which are always a really uh, important and integral part of, of our conference and making sure that uh, everybody in our industry is continuing to expand their knowledge and make sure that Vancouver really stays a center of excellence for, for mineral exploration right around the world. That's really interesting. So, uh, and I'll bring Andy in here in a second, but so it, it, do you do that every year where there's courses? after the conference? Because that's actually a pretty cool little feature. Is it during the conference or after? How, how does that work? Yeah, so we, we do do short courses every year and they're before or after the conference. Uh, or during because we, of course, want people to come in and be able to enjoy their time at the conference and hear all of our uh, technical speakers who are on our main stage and uh, come and listen to the gathering place uh, and most of our uh, keynote sessions. And the biggest part of Roundup is is really the network and I mean, you know this this industry as well as we do. It's all about that sort of neighborly feel that we have with with each other, right? We all go out to mineral exploration camps and live with each other in the field, and that camaraderie that is built that way is such an in important uh, piece of our industry. That every year when we come back to Roundup, it's it's really bringing that uh, mineral exploration family back together again and and hosting a big reunion. So we want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to network and um, just spend time with each other. It really does have that reputation of being kind of a community conference. I never went myself, but everybody who would come back, yeah, it was like they went to some sort of family reunion of sorts. Andy, uh, mm -hmm. so tell me, what's your role? So you're involved uh, with the conference, even though you're CEO and principal geologist at Hive, but what's your role at the conference this year? So I'm just entering my fourth year on the board, actually maybe my fifth year. I, I, it's, yeah, it's been a few years uh, on the board with AME. Um, so I, this is, uh, you know, behind the scenes, uh, my fourth or fifth conference of helping out with that now, but I've been attending the conference myself for over 10 years. And it's a lot of work that goes into it. And the package that comes out at the end is so valuable. Um, you know, when I first moved to Canada and started going to the conference, this is how I got my first jobs. This is how I first made my first connections within the industry. And it's helped support me learn and grow through that as well. So obviously when I got the chance to go on to the AME Roundup Committee to organize the conferences every year, I jumped at the chance and I've been doing that for the past three years now. And I also run uh, other events such as the student short course uh, industry mixers as well, just to try and get uh, those opportunities for students to interact with the mining community and have their questions answered. Yeah, and could we dig a little bit deeper into, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about here, but what is available if I'm a student and I'm in BC and I'm there in January, what could I expect from the conference? What are my opportunities? Well, I think, you know, one of the great things this year is you don't even have to be in BC. AME has always attracted, or well, the Roundup Conference has always attracted quite an international audience. And even with students, we often see student groups coming out from places like Leeds in the UK. And, you know, we're really hoping this year with the fact that it's going virtual that we'll be able to cast on it a little bit wider. 
So apart from the, the just the general ability to connect with other people that are in the industry that are different levels of their career, uh, that's so valuable for students to be able to have that audience um, just because, you know, university is very, very academic. Um, and a lot of times when I mix with students and work with students, they don't really know exactly what the industry is about and what they want to do when they get into the industry. So the more opportunities that we can give students to have those interactions, the better. So this year we've got industry mixers uh, with students will be able to uh, virtually have it's a student industry night that we've held every year. We are running another student short course, which is basically we call it speed dating. Uh, it's not. It's uh, where we have groups of different pods from the industry. So it might be exploration groups, but it can also be First Nations, government, um, those kind of bodies as well that will talk to students in small groups for 10 minutes and then they move on and that's very very valuable it really does expand people's understanding of all the aspects that that make up the exploration industry the student show course is actually included in the student registration fee this year so we really do encourage students not only to sign up for the conference but to sign up for the short course as well it's a really simple add-on the other opportunity a lot of them get their very first introduction to roundup is because they come and present a poster and the posters are the the connection between the academic world and the industry world. And so being able to come and spend five minutes presenting your master's thesis or your PhD thesis and, and talk about it and share that is uh, a really valuable experience and first experience for many of those students to interact with, uh, with their industry members. I can't think of a better idea of a way to get uh, students involved, actually, is present yeah. your thesis. Like, I mean, I, you know, I did a master's in English. Nobody asked me to present my thesis. In <laughs> you know, that's such a great idea. Uh, and you know what's interesting? I was looking on your website. I mean, you guys are pretty respected. I mean, you have a lot of the top kind of mining people. I mean, there's Rio Tinto, some of the biggest companies in the world. So, I mean, you're right up there, like, from just a... You know the layman's perspective here you're right up there with pdac in a sense like how do you contrast yourself kendra go ahead with this one how do you contrast yourself say with pdac and what's the difference how do you see it mm -hmm. yeah so just from a general sense there's there's two associations pdac is uh more federally focused and and more nationally focused whereas ame is uh provincially focused in terms of advocacy work um but also provincially focused in terms of our our primary group of membership. And then we have members who are based in British Columbia and working around the world as well. In terms of the conferences, Roundup, we try to be very technical. We try to be very, you know, we take industry corporate presentations, but we ask for the geological version of the corporate presentation. So we ask for people to, you know, leave all of the, the number of shares and the market cap and all that information out of their presentations and really share the advancements each year in where that project has, has gone and what we're learning from it and what information that might share about projects in the surrounding area. Um, PDAC, of course, three, maybe four times larger is. We get about a thousand people every year at Roundup. But PDAC has that whole uh, investor exchange, which really brings that financial conversation into it. And then, of course, just the surrounding uh, office buildings, there's so much of that financial discussion that happens at PDAC. One of the similarities, although differences, is because um, the international footprint that PDAC has in, in the sense that they bring in so many more countries, 
Uh, Roundup gets about uh, representatives from about 40 countries, but we don't necessarily have the booth space of, of those countries, but we do have members from each of those countries and, and representing uh, different delegations. So, um, but I'd like to just circle back. You mentioned some of the speakers and we are so proud to have some of the keynote speakers that we have this year. Um, our conference keynote is gonna be Robert Friedland. Uh, who hasn't been at the uh, hasn't presented at the conference for many years, so we're really excited to have him. We've got David Elliott presenting as our finance keynote, uh, a recent inductee into the Mining Hall of Fame, and then in some of the other sessions this year, we've got Randy Smallwood, we've got Ross Beatty, we've got Microsoft coming to talk. So it's going to be a really great lineup. And then uh, of course our AME keynote session this year on a really important topic, which is uh, diversity and inclusion this year. So we're really excited to introduce that new panel this year. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Is there a theme this year? And it sounds like uh, diversity and inclusion is the theme. Could you talk more about that, uh, Kendra, and then maybe Andy afterwards? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so actually our conference theme this year is leading through change. Uh, and with the um, conversations that have been happening this year, which are just so important to really talk about honestly is uh, and openly, is diversity and inclusion. And, you know, with the Black Lives Matters movement and um some of the other uh, conversations that have really popped up throughout um, COVID and in the way that we treat one another, um, diversity and inclusion has really surfaced as a topic that, you know, we've, we've talked about for many years, but never to the depth that we have talked about it this year. So this year we've got four great speakers uh, on the panel. Andy, of course, we've got Sastri Ramnath, uh, Linda Murphy and John Atley all coming. They're gonna really dig in and share some of their personal stories and hopefully get to, you know, some of the things that are uncomfortable for industry to talk about, but also some of the, the really great positives of what it means to have a diverse and inclusive workforce and, and the impact that that can have on a project. Yeah, and Andy, uh, so you're on a panel. Does your particular panel have a theme or is it, more, you know, general? Uh, what do you expect to happen there? No, well, I um, when I heard about this topic coming up, I actually volunteered myself because uh, I am a gay man and working in this industry, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to be there to preach, but I want to be there to be able to share experiences and to answer questions. Like, I think it's very important that people are given that opportunity. You know, I, I've had I've had struggles through my life with how I've accepted it, but also how other people have accepted me. And that is all part of the diversity question and the, the inclusion that we that we need going forward. And certainly in the mining industry, which, you know, is very, very traditionally very masculine, um, you know, it, it, it does pose some issues. Uh, for people that want to want to enter this industry, we and we see a big movement uh, for inclusivity with the women in mining movement, which has done fantastically over the years in raising that profile. And so, you know, when this this panel came through, it was to really broaden that out. Maybe you don't want to talk about this. Uh, you tell me, but how big of a challenge has it been? Like, how bad is it? Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I can only speak on my own perspective. Like, I think that's one thing that's important is that we listen to other people's stories and we speak about our own. You know, for myself, I, I you know, I, I it's been a bullying thing more than it. And, you know, that uh, head down needing to fulfill the career that you want to have uh, in spite of that. Um, and, you know, the anxiety that comes with that, even if in a situation you're put in a situation where you're not being bullied or it's not a problem, you know, that's that's something that, you know, you have to contend with. 
and it, it, frankly, it shouldn't be happening. Uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, you know, we should be judging people on their ability to perform a role, not on their lifestyle. And so, you know, it's definitely been it's definitely been tricky. Uh, I don't want to say say too much. Uh, I'm happy to answer questions, but I want to leave stuff for the panel. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate that it's an issue at all. Like to me, it's just I don't know where people find the time uh, for this. Yeah, uh, yeah. for for Hayton, but I mean it happens. Okay, so very interesting. Now, Kendra, help me out with these courses here. Like, what is the deal? And and I also want to know how people can maybe start with how do you sign up to this? Like, let's say I'm interested in what you guys have told me about so far. I've never been. I'm a geology student from Saskatchewan. Uh, what do I do? Do I go to the website? You go to the website. So the website is uh, roundup.amebc.ca. Uh, you can also just go to the, the AME website and there's a link off the main page uh, to get into Roundup. And from there, you can click on the registration link and, and register. It's a pretty simple process. So we certainly encourage everybody to do that. Like I said, the student short courses uh, is included in the student registration this year. So we really encourage everybody to do that. And then um, for everybody, students included, there's, uh, like I said, a number of other short courses. There's six others um, on all kinds of topics from project management to uh, mining disclosure, carlin deposits, volcanology, spectral geology. Uh, so there's all kinds of things. It really runs the gamut. And um, they're all taught by leading experts in the field. And uh, we are incredibly um, thankful to be able to partner with, with each and every one of them. Very interesting. And does this cost money to be <laughs> yes. a member, to attend, to go to the courses? Yeah. Could you break that down quickly just so people have an idea? I can. Um, and I'm just going to give you a ballpark cost because uh, they all have sure. dollars and cents to them. But um, registration and they all have students and adult prices. So a general adult uh, membership is $80 or $80, $85. Um, registration to come into Roundup is $250 this year. That's uh, approximately half price of what it is in a for a physical in-person conference. And then short courses range anywhere from about $400 to about $800 depending on the length of time of the course and the the numbers of the number of hours of um, instruction and the number of people in the courses. So the amount of attention that that you'll get in each one of those courses. So um, there's definitely something for everybody and uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we really we really look forward to seeing everybody there. Okay, excellent. And few more questions here just so what is the role of the government in this is it i guess it's mostly the provincial government do do politicians show up what's going on on the government level both provincially federally yeah so every year we do invite uh the prime minister and the minister of natural resources uh federally so this year it's minister uh, seamus o'regan we also of course invite uh premier john horgan and a number of uh, his cabinet ministers uh, here in British Columbia. So uh, we'll have the Ministry of the Ministry of Energy, Mines and Low Carbon Innovation uh, presenting this year, as well as his deputy minister, the Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation and, and a variety of others that we're still in the process of lining up at this point. But um, we are so lucky in BC to have a provincial government that is really supportive of mineral exploration. Uh, they come out to the conference every year they spend time with our delegates talking and learning and understanding and trying to to reach a spot where they understand what they're advocating for and, and building policies around, which is fantastic. And so that's really our, our primary role as an association is to promote and protect the 
the rights of mineral explorers in BC. So that's the main part of our work is really uh, advocacy with the provincial government, as well as some cases with municipal and, and First Nation governments as well, but uh, primarily provincial at this stage. Excellent. Sounds impressive. And Andy, you work at, you're basically the CEO and principal geologist of SGDS Hive. Could you tell us, like, what are you doing? What are you up to? <laughs> Lots this year. Um, it, it's uh, so we're, we're a consulting company uh, based in Vancouver. We do cradle to grave uh, exploration projects. So everything from staking and prospecting right the way through to managing drill programs. I have a team of seven core people. And one of the things that we actually focus on is students that we try and give them experience as undergraduates as well as graduates. So, you know, on my books right now, we're running to winter draw programs. We are doing some massive data compilations uh, for some major companies that are based in South America. We are doing First Nations and Indigenous relationship building uh, for another client. We're permitting. Yeah, it's it's everything. And it's, it's all the things that I didn't realize really existed as part of geology when I got into it, but I find fascinating. And so we, you know, I, I really built the company around the broader needs of the industry, but also, again, that inclusivity of being able to allow uh, students access to this so that they get a little bit of a taste of what's 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 to come when they when they graduate. OK, excellent. So thank you, guys. Now, before we go, do you have any parting thoughts? Is there anything we missed? Uh, Kendra? Yeah, I think I, the one piece I'd really just like to emphasize that I'll, although we're going virtual, this is so much more than just a Zoom conversation. We have a ton of time into building out the platform, the virtual platform that Roundup's going to be hosted on. Uh, and there will be all kinds of opportunities to see who else is at the conference and in the same room as you and be able to start chats with them. There's a fantastic trade show and the core shack and the poster session, all which will be uh, virtually held this year and completely interactive. So uh, this is definitely far more than just a Zoom conversation. And, and we really uh, encourage people to set up their profiles and uh, be ready and willing to engage and interact uh, with one another and uh, really help us send, uh, set the trends for 2021. Very good. And Andy, is there anything else that you'd like to add that we missed? No, not really. I'm I'm very much looking forward to the conference this year. As I say, being on the AME, uh, the, the Roundup Committee, um, there's been a lot of work that's gone in. And as Kendra said there, the virtual platform is is really offering us a new way of doing this. Um, so I'm I'm super excited for next month when we when we get going with this. It's very exciting. And you guys have uh, major players involved here and you're, it looks like you're being inclusive uh, to everybody along the whole way. So best of luck with the show and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. That's great. Thanks so much, Adrian. And again, we really appreciate having uh, the Northern Miner as a media partner. And if I can just throw one last thing in there, we do have uh, remote roundup specific social media channels. And that's where all of our uh, information is going to go out. So follow those and you will have the most uh, up to date uh, information that we have. OK, this was Kendra Johnston, president and CEO of AME and Andy Randell, principal geologist and CEO of Hive. Thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Great, thanks Thank so much. you so much. Talk to you soon. Well, here we are. We're almost at Christmas. A couple more episodes. And don't forget about the joke book. That great joke book by JK. Available on the sidebar of the Northern Miner homepage. Order it now. On the website, go order it. 
And if you want to help out the podcast, leave us a review in the Apple Podcast directory. And until next week, take care.